Now, we're continuing our series in, uh, called Bailout, a financial rescue plan. And last week, we were talking about uh, some of the steps to getting out of financial stress. How many of you know we're in financial stress? Our nation's in financial stress. Individuals are. Every day, a thousand people declare bankruptcy. The number one cause of divorce across the land is financial problems, the arguing about finances. The average person has accumulated $66,000 of consumer debt by the age of 28. And so there's a great need in the body of Christ for good financial managers so that we don't live under the stress and the pressure of poor financial management. And we talked about last week that good financial managers, number one, plan their spending. And number two, they pay down their debt. Number three, they save for the future. And number four, they consider eternity. You can get the notes or you can go online and and listen to that message. Why do we need to learn about good financial management? Because as we said last week, financial health and spiritual health go hand in hand. If you want to do good spiritually, you got to learn how to manage your finances. And if you want to do good financially, you got to learn how to manage your spiritual life. Amen? Jesus said it like this in Luke 16 11. If you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? The true riches are the wisdom that God gives us, the blessings of God's kingdom. And how many of you know that's more, far more valuable than money? It's far more valuable. It may seem not to be, but it's far more valuable. I'm convinced that your spiritual life can only get as healthy as your financial health is. And your financial health can only get as strong as your spiritual health. So to grow spiritually, we got to learn how to manage finances. To do better financially, we got to do good spiritually. Amen? Now, last week, we talked about God's financial rescue plan and talked about becoming better financial managers. You remember we talked about those two guys on the shrimp boat. They made the same amount of money. One was a poor financial manager. He flaunted, he bought stuff ridiculously, frivolously. And when he got ready to go back on another trip, he had to borrow money to buy supplies to go. But the other guy managed his finances, same amount of money. But yet he was getting way further ahead financially because he learned how to manage it. Now today we're going to talk about a pattern for financial increase. How many of you want to increase financially? You know, last week, there are spiritual principles, but it was more of a practical thing. How many of you know there's the practical, there's the natural and the spiritual? There's the practical and the spiritual, amen? So today we're going to talk about a pattern, a spiritual pattern of financial increase. In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 23, it says this, when you enter the land and plant fruit trees... Leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years and consider it forbidden. Do not eat it. In the fourth year, the entire crop must be consecrated to the Lord as a celebration of praise. Finally, in the fifth year, you may eat the fruit if you follow this pattern. Your harvest will increase. I am the Lord, your God. Now, the book of of Leviticus is not the most fun book to read. There's a lot of Levitical laws and regulations about how to do a number of different things. 
right here in this passage, the Lord was instructing Israel about how to grow fruit trees. And maybe we could say how to grow money trees. Because in that day and age, their fruit, their harvest was their currency. Their fields were their currency. And if they were going to be prosperous, their fields had to do good and their trees had to do good. Amen? So in this passage of Scripture, the Lord is giving Israel a pattern of increase. The pattern of increase for the harvest of their fruit trees. Now notice the instructions that are given in verse 23. When you enter the land and plant fruit trees, leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years and consider it forbidden. Don't eat it. Now, the first three years that they planted that tree, they would watch the fruit come forth on that tree and they were not to touch it. They were to leave it on the tree and let it fall off the tree. Imagine them looking at that fruit and wanting that fruit, but they were instructed by the Lord not to touch it. And then in verse 24, in the fourth year, the entire crop must be consecrated to the Lord as a celebration of praise. So the fourth year of the fruit tree, the entire crop was to be set aside, not eaten, but to be set aside and consecrated as an offering of praise to the Lord. And then finally, in verse 25a, finally in the fifth year, you may eat the fruit. So now review of the Lord's instructions. The first three years, they were to watch the fruit grow, but not touch it and just leave it alone. And then the fourth year, they were to harvest the crop and take the crop and bring it to the Lord and give it to him as an offering of praise unto the Lord. And then the fifth year, they were to eat all of the fruit. Whenever I read that a couple of mornings ago, I felt like the Lord just showed me some principles there in this verse. Some financial increase principles. And so I want to share them with you. The Lord tells Israel to do these things. Now, let me ask you a question. In the natural world, if you leave the fruit on a tree, is that supposed to do anything to that tree? No, it's not supposed to do anything. And then, so the first three years, they were to just leave the fruit. In the, if you go talk to a horticulturist, and they'll, they'll tell you about growing plants, that there's no big deal about leaving the fruit on the tree. And then the next year, they would take the fruit, and they were to bring it to the Lord. Now, you know, if you, if you think about it, was that supposed to do something to the tree if they took in the natural sense? Was that going to change the root structure, or is it going to change the foliage of that tree? No, not really. In the natural sense, this wasn't supposed to increase the fruit of that tree at all. In the natural, these instructions would seem to have nothing to do with increasing the harvest of that tree, the fruitfulness of that tree. But see, these words were not natural instructions. These words were spiritual instructions. And so those watching them tend to these fruit trees would have probably thought, this is ridiculous. Look at this good fruit you're letting waste on the tree. And then look at this. You're bringing that fruit to the temple. You're bringing it to the Lord to offer it to the Lord. That is ridiculous. But the Lord was giving Israel spiritual instructions for receiving a supernatural increase. A supernatural harvest. How many of you know there's the natural and then there's the spiritual? 
And you, you know, everybody that, that's in the world, they look at natural money management principles. But what I want to share with you today is there's something that supersedes the natural management principles, and that is supernatural spiritual principles. Amen? So how many of you would agree that following the Lord's spiritual instructions can allow you to receive a supernatural increase? So here's the application. The Lord has given us some spiritual instructions. And if we'll follow the spiritual instructions of handling our finance, we can receive a supernatural increase. Are y'all with me today? Not a natural increase, a supernatural increase. A supernatural increase is whenever it goes beyond the natural realm and it taps in to the supernatural. Amen. So let me just give you three instructions for financial increase right out of this passage of Scripture. Number one, make it a priority to to obey God's commands. Make it a priority to obey God's commands. The more you learn and obey God's commands, the more God's blessings come. How many of you would agree with that? The more you obey. See, it doesn't matter that we know the Bible. Unless we obey the Bible, it won't help us. We can know it backwards and forwards, but it never starts really taking effect in our life until we start obeying what we learn. Amen? Why would a fruit tree produce more crops simply by not eating the fruit for three years? Because it's a spiritual blessing of obedience that comes on that tree. God sees to it that that tree is blessed. The Lord always honors and blesses obedience. In Luke chapter 11 and verse 27, as he was speaking, a woman in the crowd, in the crowd called out, God bless your mother, the wound from which you came and the breast that nursed you. Speaking of Jesus' mother. And Jesus replied, verse 28, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and they put it into practice. I tell you, if you want God's blessing on your finances, You need to hear the word of God, and then you need to put it into practice. Amen? The commands of God always have a blessing attached to them. When God gives us a command, the reason why he's given us a command is because he he wants us to receive the blessing associated with it. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, we sing it today. In verse 1, it says, If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all His commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you on high above all the nations on the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and the company and, and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You will be blessed in the city, blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed, the crops of your land and the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock. Your basket, your kneading trough will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant the enemies who rise up against you uh, to be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, flee from you from seven. The Lord will send a blessing on your borns and on everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you in the land He is giving you. Now, when you read those, I'm going to bless your kneading bowl. I'm going to bless your borns. 
Again, you're talking about an agricultural community. You're talking about how they measured the blessing of God was if they were able to harvest enough grain in their field to put some in the barn. Amen? And so God is saying, listen, in verse 23, if you obey the Lord and follow his commands. And then in verse In the next, in verse 2, he says, all these blessings will come upon you. God's blessings follow our obedience to his commands. The more we find out what God's word says, and the more we do it, the more the blessings of God will come over us. Amen? You remember the water, the miracle, when Jesus turned water into wine. You remember that miracle? It was his first miracle. And you know, that miracle was the result directly related to obedience to the Lord's command. It's a, it's a pretty short story, but I want you to read it. John chapter 2 and verse 1 says this, The next day there was a wedding celebration in the village of Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there. Jesus and his disciples were invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, That's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Can I encourage you? Do whatever he tells you. Verse 6, standing nearby were six stone water jars jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies. So the servants followed his instructions. And when the master of ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though of course the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Now listen, they had six jars. Jesus said, fill them up with water. There was no reason for that water to turn into wine. But once they filled those jars with water, that water turned into wine. It was a supernatural blessing that took place. And some people read that and say, no, that can't be, you know, that he must have put something in there. You know, without faith, you can't receive this story. Without faith, you can't apply spiritual principles to finances. It takes faith to apply the biblical principles of finance. It requires you to trust and believe in God's word to be true and that he's not lying to you. And the Bible says that when when Mary said, do what he tells you to do, the servants did what he told them to do, and there was a miracle that took place. Amen? Listen, you go to the world and you say, I'm doing X, Y, and Z with my money because the Bible says they will say you are ridiculous and you out of your mind because all these look at it is through the natural eyes of human reasoning. But whenever you put the spiritual principle on it, God has a miraculous way. When you plant a tree in your backyard and do what he tells you to do, God has a way of putting a blessing on that tree where every other tree around you might be shriveling up and dying, but your tree is going to be fruitful and it's going to multiply. Amen? It's the blessing of the Lord. A supernatural blessing took place because the servant simply obeyed his command. Obedience always brings a command. So here's an action step. Ask God to show you what command in the area of finances, what command in the Bible 
dealing with finance? Are you not obeying? Ask him to show you and then make a decision to obey God's command and see what happens. I believe God will bless you. You know, I was thinking about this. There was a family in the church that had a situation that came up. And they had a family member that because of some bad decisions, got themselves in a, in a terrible financial shape. And, and they, were, they were in a dire need for bailout. And the reality was nobody in the family had the means of being able to get them out of this fix except this couple. And so they heard about the situation and they began to prayerfully consider what they were supposed to do about this financial situation. And upon praying about it, they came across this verse in 1 Timothy 5, 8. If anyone does not provide for his relatives and especially for his immediate family, he's denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That was a help for them to know what to do. Amen. And so after prayerful consideration and praying about it, they decided that they were going to help this family and bail them out of this financial pitch. You know, almost immediately, they supernaturally were given a vehicle that was almost the same amount that they had to invest to help that family member out of that financial bind. It was almost like it was so close together that they said, wait a minute, this is unreal. They sowed a financial seed greater than they ever sowed before. And then right, they turned right back around and there's a blessing. And they were able to just, they were able to sell that vehicle and recoup just about all their money that they sowed in this family. It was almost like God says, you do what I tell you to do and you'll see my hand of blessing. But it didn't even stop there. A little bit later, they got another financial blessing that superseded the amount of seed that they sowed. And I tell you what, they, they learn, they learn a great principle. God has the ability to bless you in a way that the world can't. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? How many of you know, you can never, ever outgive God. God knows he owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the gold and the silver and all that. And he can sell a few cows and give them to you if you need. Amen. Yes, indeed. He can bless you. And so listen, make it a priority to obey the Lord's commands. Why? Because the miraculous blessings of God follow our obedience to his commands. Number two, instruction number two for financial increase is learn to always honor God with your finances. Remember when the Lord instructed Israel for the first three years not to eat of the fruit, the fourth year they were to take the fruit and they were to bring it to the Lord. They would bring it to as a harvest or as an offering to the Lord. That's what it says there in verse 23. When you enter the land, plant fruit trees, leave the fruit unharvested for the first three years and consider it forbidden to eat, then the fourth year the entire crop must be consecrated to the Lord as a celebration of praise. I like the way the NIV reads in the verse 24. In the fourth year, all its fruit will be a holy an offering of praise to the Lord. So the very first crop that they would harvest, they were not even to eat it themselves. They were to bring the whole crop to the Lord. This is the principle of first fruits or the tithe or the tenth. 
The Bible speaks about the first fruits. In Exodus 23, 19, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Whenever they had the first sheep, they were to bring it to the Lord. Whenever they were had the first crop, the first part of the crop, they were to bring it to the Lord. They were to bring to the Lord the first of the first fruits. Now notice what they were supposed to do with the first fruits. In verse 19, the first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. Where would they bring it? Into the house of the Lord your God. Now, some people, they don't believe in giving to the church. They, they, they'll give it to a TV evangelist. They'll, they'll give it to poor. They'll, but you know what? There's something about when you don't control your giving and you bring it to the house of the Lord. There's something about that. You release control, you release, you relinquish control over it, and that's what God is after. He's after our relinquishing and our releasing. He's interested in our surrender, and whenever we do that, that's when God comes on the scene and He blesses us. Amen? Why bring the first of the first fruits into the house of the Lord? Well, number one, to keep God first in our hearts. How many of you know your heart follows your money? Whatever you invest in, you're going to be interested in. Jesus said it like this, Matthew 6, 19. Don't store up treasures here on the earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And so our hearts follow our giving. Whatever we give to, we become passionate about. And so the Lord says, store up treasures in heaven so that your heart will stay heaven-centered. Do you follow this? So, you know, the Lord's not after our paycheck. He's after our heart. Because he knows that if we keep our heart centered on him, we'll be in good shape. But if we allow our heart to wander away from the Lord, we're in trouble already. Amen? And so that's what he's after. If we invest in the house of the Lord, our desires will follow our giving and we will stay centered in the Lord. Number two, why should we bring our first fruit in God's house? Is because it's a practical way to reverence and honor the Lord. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 9, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. You know, you've heard it said, you know, you, you've seen that bumper sticker, if you love Jesus, honk your horn. And somebody said, you know, that ain't no, that ain't no commitment or sacrifice. If you love Jesus, honk your horn. Anybody can honk their horn. If you love Jesus, honor the Lord with your money. Come on, are y'all with me out there? That's what Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the what? First fruits of all your crops. Now listen, let me just stop a moment to say this. The writer who wrote that had an opportunity one day and the Lord said, you ask me for anything and I'll give it to you. And he said, Lord, I pray that you give me wisdom to lead your people. His name was Solomon. The Lord blessed Solomon. He became the wisest man in all the world. But you know what? The Lord said, because you didn't ask me for popularity or or material things, I'm going to bless you with that anyhow. 
And God blessed him, and he became not only the wisest, but also the wealthiest man in the land. And he's saying, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. When we honor the Lord by giving him the first fruits or the tithe of all our financial increase, it shows that we reverence, it shows that we honor, that we respect, it shows that we understand who allows us to prosper? That it's not our employer that allows us to prosper. It's God that allows us to prosper. Amen. Listen, if we don't have health, we can't go to work tomorrow morning. If we don't have our mental faculties, we can't put one thought in the front of the other. We're done. We're going to be like that that Old Testament character that ended up in the fields where his nails grew like big old corkscrews while he was in the dew out in the field like a like a cow. We need God's hand of blessing on us, saints of God. Amen. And so when we bring the first fruit of God's house, number three. To release God's supernatural blessing on our finances. Notice in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your borns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. There is a connection that releases a supernatural blessing when we honor the Lord with our finances. There's a blessing. God blesses those who honor Him with their, with their life's work. I mean, listen, we put our time, we put our effort, we work hard, we sweat just to make a paycheck. And then when we take a piece of that paycheck and say, Lord, I'm giving it to you as an offering, we're saying something to God That, Lord, I love you, I reverence you, I respect you, and I want to put you first in my life. And the Lord says, okay, because you've done that, now I want to return the the favor, and I'm going to put my blessing on your borns. I'm going to put my blessing on your checking account. That's what happens, amen, whenever we put him first. Instruction number three. For financial increase, number three, it allows God's pattern of sowing and reaping. We allow God's pattern of sowing and reaping to be released in our life. Look at Leviticus 19, 20, 25. Finally, in the fifth year, you may eat the fruit. If you follow this pattern... Your harvest will increase. I am the Lord your God. Now, I believe the pattern laid out here in this passage of Scripture is the spiritual laws of sowing and reaping. How many of you heard of that before? Just like they have natural laws, the law of gravity. If you jump off a building, you're not going up. You're coming down with a big smack. Amen. The law of gravity. And they're just like there's the natural laws. There's the spiritual laws. The law of sowing and reaping. Proverbs eleven eighteen says, The wicked man earns deceptive wages, but he who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. He who sows righteousness reaps a sure reward. They're sowing and reaping. This verse is talking about wages. He says, listen, the wicked man earns deceptive wages. 
dishonest wages. They make money by trying to rip people off, take advantage of people. But he said, don't do that. Don't get money like that. I tell you how you get ahead. You sow. You sow and you sow righteously. And I'll tell you what you're going to do. You are going to reap a sure reward. Amen. Come on. Y'all believe this this morning? So he's talking about the laws of sowing and reaping. Now, let's just talk about it. The spiritual laws of sowing and reaping. Number one, the law of sowing and reaping says everything starts with a seed. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 11, it says this. God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds, and it was so. Everything in life starts with a seed. You and I are here on this planet because it started with a seed. All dreams start with a seed. Everything that's accomplished starts with a seed. A seed has exponential potential. How many of you know that? It has the ability to do incredible things. Somebody said anyone can count the seeds in an apple, but only God knows the number of apples in a seed. Anybody can count. You can cut an apple open and count the seeds. But you take those seeds and you plant them. Only God knows how many apples those seeds can produce. The power of a seed. A seed has incredible potential. The Bible says that that our giving, our finances are like seeds. And it all starts, God's blessings always start with a seed. Nothing happens until my seed is planted. How many of you know I can have a a, a boatload of seeds. I can have a, a, a pantry full of seeds. But until I put a seed into the ground, those seeds won't do anything. Amen? They're just going to stay there. Imagine having a bag full of seeds, but you're so afraid to lose your seed that you never go plant one seed and you're struggling for food. Imagine that. In John chapter 12 and verse 24, it says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies... It produces many seeds. See, planting financial seed is an act of faith. Just like planting a natural seed. You know, why do we plant seeds? Because we trust something's going to happen to that seed. So imagine us putting more trust in a natural seed than in the seed of God's Word. Come on, are y'all tracking with me today? God is waiting on us to start planting seeds. He's waiting for us to take the seed off the shelf and trust that putting it in His ground is going to bring forth a harvest. Law number three, I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. That's the law of proportion. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. 
And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Every man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now I want you to notice what it says. He's talking about sowing and reaping. Whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. And then he says every man should give. Give is planting seeds. Come on, are y'all with me out there? If I want to reap a harvest financially, I must learn how to plant seeds. Come on, I'm trying to tell you something that you're not going to learn at a world financial uh, seminar. I'm talking about something that you won't get off the internet necessarily. But God's word says if we become seed planters, we're going to harvest us a crop. Amen. Proverbs 11:24. The world of generous, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. That's pretty, that's pretty blunt right there. You know, that story I told you earlier about that family, that couple that helped that family member. They had never given that much seed, but they had never got blessed with that much blessing. And they realized, man, we gave till it hurt. It was their hard-earned money. It was money they saved. They gave till it hurt them. But you know what? They gave more than they ever gave before. But you know what is also true? They got more of a blessing than they have ever gotten before. Amen? I think it might have something to do with the law of sowing and reaping. Come on, how is this settling in your spirit this morning? How is this, how is this settling in your spirit? Can you receive the word of God this morning? I can increase my harvest by planting more seed. Law number four, I always reap more than I sow. I reap more than I sow. This is the law of multiplication. One kernel of corn can produce a corn stalk that can produce multiple ears of corn that contain hundreds of kernels of corn. Isn't that true? I mean, if you don't have a hybrid seed and you have a good seed, you can plant 10 corn seeds. And if you get eight of them to come up and those babies come up and they produce like they're supposed to and produce ears of corn with God's blessing on it, you could take those seeds off of those kernels of corn and you're going to have hundreds of kernels of corn. And you take those seeds and you go plant them again and you're going to, have, you're going to need a bigger garden because you're going to have so many seeds. One little row is not going to work anymore, amen? You're going to need more because it's going to be exponential. This is what Jesus said, Mark 4 and verse 8. He was talking about the parable of the seeds. Remember that? And he said, we sold them out in four different soils. And one of these seeds fell on good soil. And he said, this is what happened. Verse 8, still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, it grew and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. This is exponential power 
a financial seed that we sow. Law number five, the time to start planting is now. The time to start planting is now. You know, don't wait till the time is perfect to start planting seeds. Somebody said, you know, if, if I was a millionaire, I would help so many people. Well, you know what? If you're not helping anybody now, if you got a million dollars, you would do the same thing that you're doing now. Amen. In fact, you know, they say that the more money you make, the less you give normally. And so you can't wait till you make a million dollars to start giving. You need to start sowing some seed right now. Amen. Start planting one seed at a time. One seed at a time. Listen, when Ecclesiastes 11.4 says, Farmers who wait for perfect weather never plant. If they watch every cloud... They never harvest. You know, you could translate that into just say, you know, if I was rich like other people, I would give a lot. But you know what? Some of the wealthiest people in the world are the stingiest people in the world. And some of the poorest people in the world are the most generous people in the world. Amen? So now's the time. Don't wait for perfect weather. But number six... Trust God to give you some seed to sow. How many of you know God can give a seed to sow? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9.10, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Now I want you to notice in this verse, he who, su- he who supplies seed to the sower. Who's that? Who supplies seed to the sower? The government. No. God is the one that supplies seed to the sower. Amen. And bread for food. Listen what he also does. Not only does he supply seed to the sower, but he will also increase your store of seed and enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So listen, you might be here today and having financial difficulty. I have two questions for you. Number one, are you managing your money correctly? Because you will never get ahead financially if you don't use self-control and you don't manage your money correctly. If you're always spinning and spending and spending beyond your level of income, you will always live under financial stress and you will never get ahead financially. Amen? Amen. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 Well, listen, it's not just financial management that God uses to get people out of the hole financially. God used biblical principles. He says, listen, what you need to do is you need to start honoring the Lord with your well. You need to start obeying His commands. Do what He tells you in His Word. He says you need to start sowing some seed. Even if it's a dollar at, the, at a time. Hey, a seed can produce ten. A seed could produce a hundred. See, but what you got to see, it has nothing to do with the natural. It doesn't have anything to do with dollars. What it has to do with is the heart. Whenever, you see, God talks more about money than he talks about prayer, talks about faith, 
about heaven, about hell. He talks more about money. He uses more parables to talk about money and deal with money than anything else. Why was Jesus so big on preaching about money? Because he knew that the biggest, his biggest, his biggest enemy, his biggest competition to get the hearts of people was their money. And he knew if he could get them to handle their money spiritually, their hearts would be released and the blessings of God would come. Amen? And so the reason why he dealt with it because he knew we would need to hear about it. Amen? Now we're talking about growing spiritually, being blessed, having the favor of God. Whenever that little... Whenever those little servants took those jars and they filled them up with water, they had no idea what was about to take place. All they knew is to do what the, sir, what the Lord told them to do. Whenever they did what the Lord told them to do, a supernatural miracle took place. We've heard more stories in this church. There's more stories that have taken place. I I can tell you personal stories of how God has done supernatural things, all hinging on doing what God says with money. Let me just tell you one before we end today. Whenever I first got saved and Brother Francis was teaching on giving and tithing, and uh, I, I, I came under conviction, I believe the word, the word he was preaching to be true, and I started. Well, you know, the reality was I had a good job in the oil field. And it really, it really wasn't no big deal because I had, I was single. I had plenty of money. It was really no sacrifice. And so I started tithing. And then one day I was in a church service and the Lord spoke to me and said, Todd, why don't you tithe your savings? And I said, I rebuke you, you demonic spirit. You. <laughs> That cannot be God right there. But I had a little savings. The Lord said, why don't you tie that? I said, Lord, that's B.C. I mean, I, I earned that before I became a Christian, before Christ, you know, B.C. God, that, that's under the grandfather law right there. You know, you know how we do. We just, you know, you know we justify stuff. And the Lord wouldn't leave me alone. Every time I would... I, I, he would bring me back to that. Why don't you tie that? It's like, Lord, that's going to be a big check. <laughs> and you know, the short of the long is, I decided to do it. And I kid you not, as soon as I deposited that money into the, into the church, into the tithe box, that very next week, my boss called me in his office The economy was not good. And he called me in his office and he said, Todd, we're going to promote you and give you a different position and we're going to give you a raise. I said, what? The raise was about what my tithe was every month in proportion, amen? (laughs) So by the end of that year, I got 12 times what what I had to tithe whenever he told me to do that. Amen? And so what I'm saying is that, listen, when you obey God, 
God honors it. Amen? Would you stand with me? Let's close in prayer. There's a story in 2 Kings, a little widow woman. They were about to die. There was such a severe famine. It was such a bad time. And the man of God said, why don't you cook cook some cakes with the flour and the meal that you have left and the oil you have left. And why don't you give it to me? You read that story and you say, how insensitive to that prophet to do that. To take this little widow's last little meal and oil for himself. But as you read that story, you find out that she did what God told him. And God miraculously blessed that little lady and she survived the famine. Amen. It's a spiritual thing. You can't look at God's Word in a natural sense. You've got to look at it by faith. Amen? You've got to look at the God that's above the natural laws. That you, you take a tree and plant it in the ground, He can cause that tree when every other tree around it is shriveling up and dying. Prosper. He can cause your tree to have a great harvest. Amen? Because it's His blessing. He owns everything. He controls everything. He can bless. He can curse. He can do whatever He wants because He's God. I want God's blessing. How about you? I want God's favor. How about you? Come on, let's ask God for it right now. Father God, I pray that Your grace would be released over us this morning. Thank You, Father God, for just giving us the faith, giving us the confidence, giving us the ability to trust You and trust Your Word, God. Father, we we thank You for the Spirit of God that's helping us with self-control, not to spin frivolously and not to, not to overdo it, Lord. But God, thank You for giving us the grace to be able to, Lord, to have a temperament that is, that is able to control our spending, our saving, and, and the use of finance. But Lord, I pray that you would just fill our heart with faith today. Increase our heart. Lord, our trust level with you that, God, we might be able to honor you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for touching every person in here today. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. Well, how many of you are glad to be under God's law? Under God's Spirit. Amen. Amen.